0: Hi, everybody. Welcome back to The Undiscovered You, a podcast for people who feel like they have so much more to offer, but are somehow stuck where they are. I'm your host, Kimberly Johnston, and this season we'll be speaking to the dream catchers. These are people who went after their dreams and got them. Today, I'm extremely excited to have Chris Farr with me. Chris is a professional drummer who's currently living in Berlin. Hi, Chris.
1: Hello. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. Lovely to have you on the show. So, Chris, let's go back to the beginning. Uh, have you always known that you wanted to be a drummer?
1: No, not at all. I mean, I would say my my first love was really sports. I mean, baseball. I started playing maybe even three or four. I would start playing catch with my dad. We used to live in, in Ecuador. And we would go down to... Uh, Parque Carolina, which you know, which is one of the big parks down in, in Quito, in the city. And we'd just throw the ball around. And my, my dad was stationed in different countries overseas. And so, you know, we got a bit older in the, in the late 80s. We moved to the Philippines and then to Indonesia. And when we moved to Indonesia, I was starting middle school and then go, going into high school. And that's when I started playing music and I didn't, you know, there's no musicians really in my family, in our family. And so it just so happened. I was at, um, I think during recess or something, I, I went to, there were two theaters in our school and, um, there was a band playing there just high school kids and they were playing, you know, Guns N' Roses covers and which was obviously at that time quite popular and um yeah something sort of drew me to i was drawn to the drums and and so i told my dad yeah i'd like to you know i'd like to learn drums and can you buy me a drum set and he's like no
0: no i think that's every parent's answer to that (laughs) question no
1: exactly especially with
0: drums.
1: (laughs) and um i kind of kept pestering him about it and he said okay listen i'll make you a deal you know let's go to to a few concerts and a few, uh, in Jakarta they used to have a, a really big jazz festival. Well, they still do actually. And they bring artists from all over the world. And, and so he said, okay, come with me to this and and let's see, maybe we can find a teacher for you. And as long as you, you know, agree to take lessons, maybe I'll consider this, you know, consider buying you a drum set or whatever. So we went and, um, Yeah, I saw a few, you know, this is jazz, so I had no interest, obviously. I was purely just straight into, you know, rock music and that was it for me. Wearing black t-shirts and tight pants and Doc Martens and long hair and, you know, the whole thing.
0: The whole thing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, um, but I agreed because I, at that point I really wanted to, um, yeah, I really wanted to play. So I said, whatever it takes, basically. And so we went and saw a few a few acts, and and one of the acts that we saw on, uh, at the festival was um was a local Indonesian band, and the drummer was really good, you know, and he was having such a good time and smiling and and he was really, really into it. And and so after they finished performing, I went up to him with a good friend of mine who was also a drummer at the time. And we asked him if he gave lessons. And he said, Yeah, sure. And so that's how that's how it sort of started and um yeah you know eventually joined a band and in high school and and to be honest I mean if, if I'm being honest that's probably like the best time in my life as a musician <laughs> was playing in high school <laughs> even when me and you played together in, you know a few years later because it's just You know, you're playing for the sheer joy of playing and you're with your friends and you're cool, you know, because you're in a band in high school and get to meet girls. And and there's no, there's nothing more than just playing for the, for the Mm -hmm. sheer joy of playing. There's, you don't have to, you're not thinking about the business side of it or the politics of it or any of that other stuff that comes with, well, like with any job being a professional in 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 any in any you know whether you're in the financial sector or you're in the you're an artist or whatever it's all a lot of those things come with it of course when you have to start earning money and do it as a career
0: mm-hmm. i think that's so profound because there is something there <clears throat> it's kind of you know thinking about doing musicals in high school or thinking about being in a band or doing sports even it's so fun it's so fun and you're with your friends it's you're young you're free and i think that's kind of you know the pressure is off and it is it's just for the joy of it and that's yeah i think i think that's such a profound thing because i've often wondered what is it that really changes from that joy and i always thought it was the monotony but i think there's an i think there's an additional layer there because mine was acting you know and going going and doing something professionally you do it over and over and over and over again And actually that monotony of it is what what drew me away from becoming an actress. And I think there's also something that you say there around, as you get older, it's also that business aspect, having to pay the bills and have the politics. I, I like that that you talked about politics as well within the yeah, music industry and in, in the industry.
1: It's a huge thing, you know, in any industry. But, you know, the problem with when you're, I think when you're involved in, in the arts, especially, is that you have to deal a lot with other artists, you know. And artists, they're complicated people on on any level, even the nicest people, because it's just doing music or acting or whatever. It's it's very much about sort of a selfish kind of narcissistic (laughs) part of it as well. And so you're dealing with people that are very much looking for acceptance from other people or their colleagues or whatever. And, you know, you're trying to deal with, these kind of people on a day-to-day basis. And it's not so easy. Mm. Some people have very good social skills or very outgoing, very level-headed. And some people are not, but the problem is these are the people you have to deal with. And there's no, there's no book or there's no set of guidelines or set of rules that people sort of adhere to. And so it very much becomes about personal relationships and that's, that's really what I learned along the way as well. It's of course you have to be talented and you have to be, you know, good at, good at what you're at your craft, but more than anything, it's really the personal relationships. Like, do people want to hang out with you? Mm. You know, do people want to get on a bus with you for three weeks? Because if you have a, a, a group of four or five or six or 10 people and there's one bad apple, it ruins the entire experience for everybody, you know? So I think um, more than, yeah, more than just talent, I think it's, it's really lost on a lot of people how important it is just to, just to have good social skills really, because, you know, if you're a difficult person to work with, or you're just not level headed you'll find it very difficult no matter how talented you are to to get work i i've known a lot of people along the way that are just crazy talented but they don't have any work like people don't call them because they're just too difficult to work with you know
0: yeah and i think that's true also for the business world so if you kind of translate that into the business world you know when i went for one of my first interviews at, at a big law firm what the guy said to me at the end is you know what we're looking for here is can i sit next to you on a plane for 12 hours Absolutely. You know? and and i think that's because they want to put you in front of clients they need to know that you can actually converse with people and it's really important that if that's a skill that maybe someone who's listening to this you recognize that's not something that you have it's something that you can hone it's something you can develop and part of that you can do through coaching. You can get, you know, if it's a speech thing, you can get a speech coach. If it's about uh, the fact that you're recognizing your egos getting in the way, that people maybe reflect on you and say you're quite narcissistic or, you know, mm-hmm. you you're very self-centered. Whatever wording they use, you know, thinking about getting a, a coach to talk about, you know, finding that self-awareness is really important.
1: That's the thing. The self-awareness thing mm-hmm. is uh, is really key. No matter. You know, if you're talking about business or you're talking about the arts or or any of that, you know, any, any field that you go into, I mean, it's, it's all at the end of the day, it's like, we're all people, you know, and people want to be around other people that are sort of either on the same wavelength or that are easy to, to be around. Mm. Because of course, if you have a important business meeting and you have to send somebody to that, you want to make sure that person is not going to torpedo whatever you're trying to sell or whatever needs to be done with, with a potential client. And it's the same thing when in music, you know, you want to make sure that make sure that you're surrounding yourself with people that can, that, that can really deliver. That's what I'm trying to say, you know, whether it's in business or in music or whatever, and do it in a way that brings out the best in either the person or the band or, or whatever it is, you know, whether you're in a supporting role or in a, role as a band leader so I think and that's something that you know I went to music school and everything and they nobody talks about that they Mm -hmm. talk about music business or they talk about performing or technique or it's all mostly centered around unless you're doing music education say or, or specifically focusing on music business but nobody really talks about how important relationships are with people and how important it is to really work on that. And like you said, whether it's hiring somebody or talking to somebody externally, you know, a coach or whatever, you know, something that can help you, or a, a therapist, or you know, yeah. any of those types of things, it can only help, you know, if you realize, wow, why is it that I'm practicing eight hours a day and I know I'm playing well, but why am I not getting any work? You know, there's something. It's like having that awareness of, of maybe there's something within me that's causing this you know mm. it has nothing to do with the talent and i always think it's like 70 30 you know or 60 40 that you really have to be a good hang you know and like easy to be around and easy going that's way more important than you know can you play fast and and furious you know <laughs>
0: And we, we talk about that in business a lot is that, you know, at some point you reach a point in your career where actually you can do the work. It's not a question of whether you can drum. It's not a question of whether you can lawyer. It's not a question of, you know, whether you can do the accounting, but it is a question of what's the impact that you have on others. And that's what's going to differentiate you, especially as you get older and more senior and you're trying to move up the ranks is if you're hitting that wall constantly, mm-hmm. Part of the reason that you're hitting the wall, just to be completely frank, is because of the way that you're showing up and the way people are encountering you. And and for you as a drummer, you know, you are the product like you. You show up. You are the product. And so I thought it was interesting how you were talking about the band leader. So I want to I'm going to come back to that, but I want to go. I want to jump back again. Okay. so we're playing baseball we're doing an amazing job in baseball. You have a father that's incredibly supportive who takes you to this jazz festival in Jakarta. You find someone. So you found a mentor. You found somebody who's able to teach you. So a teacher, mentor. You have friends that are also doing it. You love the vibe of it. So you kind of, you know, just getting into that all black wearing long hair type thing, which isn't very baseball, I would like to say. No, definitely <laughs> no, not. Uh, what happened with that transition so a lot of times people will have that they'll have a passion for something they'll be doing something and then something else will come along and actually transitioning out is quite hard cuz there's identity wrapped up in it there's you know there there are friendship groups so that kind of things so how did that shift happen for you from the baseball to the to the drumming
1: i think i think most of it just had to do with my my peer group you know so the people that I, that i was hanging out with all my friends they were the the friends that I was playing music with or hanging out with, and I didn't I didn't get any pressure from my dad either. I mean, he he loved being you know the assistant coach, and he loved playing catch after work every day, which was great. And I think, you know, that really helped solidify our bond together as well. Because I think oftentimes people think, oh, you you have to do some huge you know something that's like really big in terms of, uh, an activity or, or something to, to create this bond with, with your parent, but actually it can be something that small. It's just the routine of it mm. and, um, having this sort of like tradition of, you know, after work, like getting the gloves and just throwing the ball around. And, um, so I was really thankful and, and grateful to, to have him in that capacity, you know, to, to always be there and always make time for me. And always be very supportive, you know, whether it was wanting to play baseball or wanting to do music. I mean, my dad, you know, he worked for the State Department for 25 Mm -hmm. years. It's like it couldn't be more different than than playing uh, music. Mm -hmm. But for him, it was also important that, you know, I find something that I'm actually passionate about or that I really like doing. And then you start, of course you you get a band together and you start writing music and you start playing gigs, even just at school or around town. And you realize, wow, this is really it's so different, but it's it's such a it's such a great feeling to to have your friends come out and cheer you on. And and I really loved it. You know, I love this feeling of being creative and 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 getting a lot of positive feedback from. From people, you know, from friends, especially.
0: Yeah, and there's something different the the creativity there that you're talking about. You know, in sports, obviously there's there's there is minimal creativity. I think we could probably draw draw a line there somewhere. But it is when you're doing music, it's actually it's you coming through, and you're the one that's bringing yourself into that space, and you can change it up. And you know, there are different genres, as you talked about jazz. I was very, I was actually going before you said I hated jazz. (laughs) I was going to be incredibly impressed that at that young age you were. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> enjoying no. jazz
1: <laughs> no that took some that took some time but um yeah I got exposed to a lot of different music that I otherwise would never have listened to You know, I mean it was just jazz fusion I mean I was listening to like Metallica and Slayer and then it started sort of all mixing together you know where I would be playing rock or metal with my band but on the side listening to Chick Corea or Miles Davis or, or or people like this you know and it was um, I think that helped shape the kind of musician that I am today because I love I mean I love all kinds of music now you know and I think it's very easy to get stuck in one genre and um, and to get out of that or or you know to be able to I think if you want to be a performer and you want to be a musician you really have to be able to play just genres across the board, you know? You don't have to master everyone, but I think it's important to at least have a good sense for whether it's reggae or whether it's, you know, jazz or whether it's rock or pop or just have like enough of this kind of sensibility to be able to to play these kind of uh, styles, especially on drums because Lord knows it's hard enough to to play and to make a living playing music. So you have to try to make it as easy as you can for yourself to get calls, you know. And that's that's one thing that I, I was grateful that the teachers that I had were very adamant about me learning different styles and being able to read and, and all these kinds of things that oftentimes you don't think about. You, know, you need somebody you need that guidance from somebody to sort of tell you okay look you want to be a a player you want to be you know you want to make a career out of this well this this is really important thing to do and some people do it and some people don't you know so it's
0: and i think i think what you just said right there is is spot on is some people do and some people don't and a lot of people again let's go back to that ego let's go back to that narcissism it's like I'm an amazing drummer. This is my genre. This is what I do. I'm not listening to you. I don't want to do that. Actually ends up limiting yourself the same way. If you have a mentor, if you have someone that's more senior than you in, let's say you work in the banking industry and someone's telling you, I know that you like doing this type of work, but I would, I would, I would, I would, I would, I would suggest that you expand your portfolio. Yeah. look at doing something a bit different try something get some more feathers in your cap that's something that people often say you know or mm-hmm. more strings in your bow or whatever whatever you want to use in terms of um in terms of metaphor but what happens is you end up making yourself able to have those transferable skills and you know we did an entire season called the skills that pay the bills about having those transferable skills mm-hmm. and we use the word pivot a lot. Um, it's probably overused, but actually pivoting within your industry, pivoting within what you're doing allows you to keep it fresh, allows you to get more work, allows you to not have that monotony. If you <clears throat> Recognize that what you're doing isn't suiting your strengths. You can actually move into something else because you have these different feathers in your cap, these different. Bones. For
1: sure. And I think it, a lot of it comes down to also, you know, do you want to be a band leader? Or do you want to be a sideman position? If you're more just supporting, then yeah. Like you said, the more feathers in your cap, you have the better really. I mean, right now I'm playing like a, in a in a variety show like in a theater, you know mm. It's like that couldn't be I would never in a million years have thought if you had told me I'd be doing this five, ten years ago, I would have said like no way. But you know you do it's it's actually fun and it's and uh, you get to you get to react in a different way. You're not reacting to other musicians you're reacting to a trapeze artist or to a a springboard artist or to a, you know, so it's, it's really a different thing. And it, it actually forces you to be creative and be spontaneous and, and sort of broaden your, your skills as well, you know, where you're, you're not just playing a beat, you're having to find different sound effects for different, you know, movements that they're doing or different tricks. And and you see how it really brings the act to life, you know, because mm. without the music, and this isn't coming from me, this is, this is coming from some acrobats that I've talked to, but they say, you know, without the music, we're just up there doing tricks. Yeah. It's the music that makes the act come to life and elevate it.
0: So think about any scary movie you've ever seen. If you turn off the sound, it's not scary at all. There's not a moment of suspense. And it's the same with you with your snare going, when you get in that drum roll going, I could I could hear it as soon as you said, I'm reacting to them. And I can I can hear what you'd be playing, because we have in our minds soundtracks that go along with it. And as you say, the suspense you create by having that music alongside of it. And I, I never thought about the fact that it's not written music that you sit there and you're playing, you're actually reacting to what's happening in front of you. That's incredible.
1: Yeah. And that's something I think that's uh, uh, really specific to in this context, specific to drums more than the other instruments, because you have so many different sounds and, um, you know, so I'm, I'm thankful and I'm, I'm happy that, that I'm, I'm doing this as a drummer because it, it really I get I have a lot more leeway and a, a lot more possibilities to sort of be creative and and it's cool. and it, I didn't think that I would learn, you know, as much as I have. Let's put it that way. And it's something different, something new. and um so it's 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 nice. It's surprising that you can still, even after all these years <laughs> of being in in the music business that there are still, new things that, you know, you can really learn a lot from.
0: And there's, there's something about that. Isn't there? Is that saying yes to that? Again, if you were someone who had a big ego and you were like, I'm not doing a variety show. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a drummer who does blob. You would have never learned whatever that skill was. So the same thing in your office is if someone asks you to do something that you automatically in your mind are like, that's below my pay grade. Like, that's not what I do actually what can you learn from that what can you step into that space and, and you might learn something you never even realized was one of your core strengths or skills you know and for you I, I want to go back to this band leader concept because I want to educate uh, our listeners a little bit sure. so you say band leader and supporting act talk to me I mean does it, is it what it says on the tin a band leader is someone who leads the band or tell me a bit more about what that entails
1: yeah the band leader is the person whose name is on the marquee you know person who people are paying tickets to go and see there are some exceptions of course uh, i'll give you an example if you go to, to see james taylor amazing singer songwriter his band is like an all-star band of of musicians that like his drummer steve gad he's played on hundreds upon hundreds of recordings i mean you've heard him everybody's heard him more than they probably know mm. he's these guys so in that case okay you can say yes james taylor's name is is on the ticket but there's probably a fair amount of people that are going to see him for sure mm-hmm. but really also to see his drummer because he's he's like one of these gods you know basically yeah. one of these people that's just done so much and had so much influence now the sideman of course is is somebody that's in a supporting room you know and for me personally i'm not interested in being a band leader mm-hmm. i love supporting the music i love supporting playing behind a singer but there are a lot of people that don't and there are a lot of people i'm also the kind of drummer like i'm i'm very i'm i'm very i'm realistic about my limitations on the instrument what am i good at what am i not as good at so i feel like my what i excel at is being supportive and playing dynamically and playing being able to play not only loud which is obviously easy on the drums but more importantly being able to play soft Mm -hmm. being able to play you know with a lot of space not trying to fill in every note and every every space that's in in the song and I really enjoy it and I get a lot out of that
0: so I we have to go back. So we are in Indonesia. You've gone to this festival. You've gotten yourself a drumming instructor. Now yeah. you're a professional drummer. We missed a lot in the middle. So walk me through what happens from the sure. Indonesia picking up the drum kit to uh, to today being a professional drummer.
1: Um, yeah. So I I was in uh, in Jakarta until my junior year. I finished my junior year. So I was playing, I was in a band, everything was great and then my dad said, "Okay, now we're moving to to back to Ecuador." Which I was not happy about obviously because I had been there through middle school and into high school. Mm. And I had to leave all my friends and it was uh, devastating of course, you know, mm. and at that age, you know, your hormones are just raging. raging. So everything is Hundred times more dramatic than
0: <laughs> I think. I think a hundred thousand times more <laughs> Gosh, dramatic.
1: Exactly. So yeah, and know, it's like your senior year. I know. And, and oh, and you're like king of doing. the
0: castle with the band.
1: So it was it was hard, but we moved to 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 Ecuador and for my senior year. And um, you know, I it was really funny. I mean, my my high school in, in Jakarta had like I don't know three thousand people or something. Wow. And then I moved to. To our tiny town Utah, and it was like 500, 400. I don't know it wasn't very many. It
0: was like the whole school was 500. <laughs> I'm
1: like, where's the rest of the school?
0: I know where's everybody else.
1: But I got there and um you know, I joined the jazz band and I joined the wind ensemble or orchestra, whatever it was called. and and that's where I met you know Sam Juan Carlos who was playing saxophone and um, and Jay, who was our music teacher. He really embraced me and was really sweet, and and we started playing together as a. But in this context, it was a jazz quartet because it was saxophone. Jay was playing. Our teacher was playing keyboards and trumpet, our piano, and I was playing drums and bass. And then we started playing quite a bit around town, which was cool. You know, started doing gigs and 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 then eventually it was time to figure out. Okay, well, what are we doing? after high school now. So we got to go to college, I mm. guess. And Juan Carlos, he went to Miami to this uh, school, Florida International University. And they had just opened a music a school of music. And he came back and he's like, yeah, it's great. I got a full scholarship. And, and, you know, and I still didn't know what I was going to do. And he said, what? You should just go there. I'm sure they'll give you a scholarship. I was like, okay. So I went there and did an audition and stuff. And I ended up going there. I I got some um, uh, some scholarship money. And then actually Sam ended up going there as well. <laughs> like, yeah. a whole, a Get the band three, back together. The whole band, actually. But, but Jay I,
0: started teaching there.
1: Yeah. No, 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 <laughs> I no he, I he did go there actually later as well. His masters, yeah. So it was really funny. We were all there kind of at the same time. Hmm. And I was there for two, three years and, and you know, continued, uh, started studying there with uh, different teachers and, and, you know, continued gigging and stuff, and, which was cool. But I realized also that I needed something more. Like I wasn't getting quite enough out of the school. And it was, a, you know, the program had just started and they had some good teachers, but they didn't have the infrastructure or, or the facilities you know, like if I wanted to practice, they didn't have a bunch of practice rooms with, with drum sets in them. So, mm. so it was it was quite it was quite frustrating at times. So I thought, well, what am I gonna do? And then I talked to uh, Maury as well, a Brazilian, amazing guitar player, who's who's actually still doing music as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he was at Berklee uh, Berkeley College of Music in in Boston, which is a great school, and he said, Yeah, you should you should come up here, you know? And I thought, okay. You know, it's like not even considering like, Oh, what's the tuition. <laughs> so I went up there and, and audition and, and, and got, uh, you know, a partial scholarship, which was great. And that's where I finished out my, my schooling. And that place is, I mean, amazing. You know, there's a lot of people that, that love it. And a lot of people that think, Oh, you know, it's, it's too academic and it it sort of kills your soul or whatever, but I have nothing but good things to say about this place. You know, Mm -hmm. I made amazing friends that I still have to this day. The teachers are amazing. The, The facility is amazing. I mean, they have, they have a lot of funding. So, and it's been around for a long time. And that's where I really, I think became the, not to sound cheesy, but the drummer that I am today, you know, I think that I was also a bit older, of course, so I sort of had a better sense for what I wanted to learn, what kind of drummer I wanted to be, and to be also realistic about what, what my limitations were and how mm-hmm. to make the most of what I could actually do well. I finished the, I finished studying there, and I, st- I stayed in Boston for a couple years just teaching and just doing some gigs around town, and, and then I decided, like, <clears throat> most people actually... Once they finish school there, they either go to New York or LA or now Nashville. And so I moved to New York and, and lived there for about seven years. You know, it's hard. I mean, that's the hardest place to to make it as a musician. So, of course, I had a, a job, a side job and at a cafe, like most, <laughs> most <laughs> like a lot of people, and sometimes two jobs, you know, just to be able to support myself and and to be able to gig at at night and stuff and and i got to play with some great people and and some great singer songwriters and just just great musicians as well and and it was amazing but also quite frustrating you know And, and it's it's a hard place to to make it and to sort of yeah just live off of playing music i mean most people don't make any money really in new york you make money touring outside of new york so it's it's kind of this catch-22 you know it's like you you're living in new york and it's great but you can't really enjoy it because you have to be gone all the time <laughs> to to pay for for your living costs in new york
0: yeah that's that's what i found as well Is i was in the middle of new york and there's so much to do and i couldn't afford any of it And it was just, I mean, you just, it's, yeah, it's hard. And it's, it's a, it's a hard place to live as well. Like the longer you live there, the more you get to know that the grumpiness of the people is just because everyone's on top of each other all the time. And they're actually quite nice, Um, but it is, yeah, but it is, it is, it's a hard place, especially if, you know, you were coming from Boston, which is a bit more, but I moved there from South Carolina. So you can imagine it is night and day in terms of the reality of it. But yeah, I, I agree. You're in the city, so much to do, but you have to make your money elsewhere. And then I personally was in the city, not making any money and not able to yeah. enjoy it. Yeah.
1: But uh, I met my my ex-wife there and and then I ended up, she's from Berlin and, and I, I guess I was sort of looking for a way out as well, probably subconsciously. And um, because it does wear on you living in, in New York and it's, it's a hard place to live, you know? No matter how amazing it is as a, as a city, just that being with that many people on top of each other all the time, it's it's tough. Mm. And um, yeah, so I came here. We started dating. I don't know. We dated for six, seven months. We, you know, I came here, she came there. We did that trip back and forth a few times. And then we took a trip through South America for about a month and a half or two months. Went to City Hall in New York got married and a month later I moved here. I mean, it was like really crazy.
0: Whirlwind, but lots of fun.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It was like seven months of being married and uh, being in a long distance relationship basically, and then getting married and married. married. Now I've been in Berlin 12 years and it's crazy.
0: Wow. Did you speak any German when you moved there?
1: (laughs) I didn't, I didn't know any German at all. Germany wasn't even on my radar of places to visit in, yeah. in ever not because i have anything against it it was just i never even thought oh maybe it'd be fun to go visit germany sometime it was. It's not like oh, let's go to Italy or let's go to France or the UK or something. You know, it was. It, it just was wasn't on the list. Not on my list. At all.
0: Berlin is so cool, though. It's such <laughs> a cool city. It's such. Amazing. Anybody listening with does not have Berlin on the list, I would say go and check it out because there's so much history there, obviously, and it's such a beautiful city and it's so it's cool.
1: It, it really sucks. is. I mean, I got lucky that she's from Berlin and and not some small town in the countryside. You know
0: there's a lot of those. If there's
1: anything wrong with that it's just yeah. But there's
0: a lot of those
1: but there's a lot of those yeah any everywhere right
0: yeah yeah
1: but uh yeah so i i yeah i moved here and then just i took a german course the first thing i did because i didn't have any friends i didn't have any gigs i didn't have anything so i did a like, intensive german course for six seven months and yeah, I'm good now I mean I can fight with people I can negotiate with people so it's like if you're if you can if you're on that that's level
0: that's it. all you need
1: <laughs> <Exactly>.
0: <laughs> you fluent I can fight with people and I can negotiate with people exactly. solid solid mean? in your German
1: <laughs> yeah it's not easy but it's also not impossible and I think like you if you grow up speaking more than one language it helps
0: a lot yeah yeah sure indeed indeed Sie nine Nein. <laughs> Nein. <laughs> Um, okay. so we've moved we've moved to Berlin. You're now starting all over again, completely fresh, learning a new language, newly married. You have a bit of time that you've spent in New York where you've kind of developed your craft through what you studied in Boston, through what you studied in uh, Miami. You've kind of figured out the type of drummer you want to be. You're doing a bit of work in New York and then you move to to Berlin. Um so what happens in Berlin that allows you to then become, a professional self-sustaining drummer
1: well there's there's a, a few things i mean one is berlin okay it's become a lot more expensive than when i moved here but i mean the cost of living here is a fraction of what it was in new york obviously it's mm. like most cities right with the exception of you know sure london or tokyo or, or paris but Berlin is uh, the cost of living is way 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 less, and in my opinion, it's still it's still very reasonable. In compared, that's always my barometer. The like,
0: comparison, yes,
1: compared to New York, <laughs>
0: <laughs> compared to New York, it's cheap.
1: <laughs> exactly, so uh, that was that was helpful, and I think you know being in in a city in a country that that is that is more so socially conscious let's say it makes it a lot easier because you know it's much harder to fall through the cracks here than it is in the states for Mm. example having that sense that okay i'm not going to be out on the street you know it allows you to be able to start to focus on if you're if you're an artist or a musician to be able to to spend more time doing that and focus on that. And, and, you know, of course you still have to work like, like anywhere else. But I think the, the pressure and the the stress that comes along with that is, is less here. Yeah, absolutely. It's that whole, like, do you, do you live to work or do you work, you to, work live? to live? Yeah. and It's just, I see, you know, my sister, you know, she works full time and has two kids and it's just, it's just nonstop, you know, And I'm not saying it's bad to work, but but at some point, you have to like look at your your quality of life and it's just kind of like, why why do why are we doing this to ourselves? You know
0: and and I want to go back to your point that you made about your dad and those small moments of throwing the baseball in the yard and how that is what actually cemented that relationship. That's what developed that bond between you guys. And, you know, I almost feel like we live in a culture where it's like, well, we want to give our kids these experiences. We want to be able to take them skiing or go to Disneyland or go do this. And actually, I'm working in order to give my child those experiences, or I'm working in order to get them into private school. I'm working to, you know, whatever it is that you're doing. But the question is, are you actually there throwing the ball in the garden with them? Are you actually there spending? Yeah, spending that time. And I think a lot of us, especially after even after COVID, because we're, online we we are never switched off we yeah. have to switch ourselves off and walk away and i think that's quite difficult to do um in this always on culture that we live in Oh no,
1: absolutely and it and it also goes into you know personal relationships with people like i was talking about in in, uh, in music and in this you know it well not even just in music but just in any career and spending so much time on devices all the time it's it, it becomes harder and harder to
0: relate so to others yeah 100 they're saying that that's a big epidemic actually that's happening with um with young mm-hmm. people is they they don't have the social skills to actually carry on conversations and I, I saw i saw it was really interesting it was a cafe where they hire really young people kind of you know between the ages of like 15 and 18 to come and work over the holidays mm-hmm. and there was a note on the door saying you know please actually be kind these people they're they're coming out they're stepping out of their comfort zones they're learning a new skill please yeah. be patient and kind with them and it is it's it's a skill that has to be learned I don't think we recognize that growing up the way that we did without devices that actually it was a skill we naturally inherently learned whereas now we're gonna have to teach that to people
1: yeah and uh, I I think you know also the problem becomes like if you're in a society where where people are having to work, both parents are having to work full time jobs. It's like, you know, they don't have the time to to throw the ball around with with no. their son or their daughter, or you know, it becomes more and more difficult to have that social that con- that connection with with uh, people or your kids, and then the devices sort of fill that void, you know. Mm. And all the a lot of the time, these there's nothing wrong with devices. I mean, it's fine. It's just, is it an active, are you being active or are you just being passive with it? You know,
0: Mm. that's
1: like, if you're just sitting there and just watching
0: scrolling and like going. Yeah. And, and I mean, they're built to keep you on. Yeah. That's the entire point of them. So it's, it's about you controlling that. There's a, there's a great book. um, Dr. Rangan Chatterjee wrote a book called The Four Pillar Plan. And Mm. he talks about our relationship with our devices and how a lot of mental health issues with young people Um, are coming from the fact that it's the first thing they look at when they wake up it's the last thing they look at before they go to bed the blue light is causing them sleep issues the you know the mental strain of actually constantly looking at how many people are liking your things and that i mean imagine popularity how we dealt with popularity in high school and then imagine having people like liking your pictures and putting i know i just I, i i i'm so glad that's not part of my high school experience to be honest I don't and so know. It's, it's easier, I think, to bully somebody or say something negative or say something harsher yeah. than you would online than it would be to somebody's exactly. face, isn't it? And exactly. so there's that there's that moment where actually probably even the bullies filtered certain things yeah. because they were saying it to your face yeah, as exactly. opposed to what they would do, you know. A, it's much harder, you know,
1: it's yeah. just, even with dating, same thing, you know, like mm. if you're somebody at a bar or you're just doing uh, uh, something with an app, it's much mm. easier to just go somebody or just brush somebody aside when you're not face-to-face with the person, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah Okay. So we move. moved, we've moved on to technology. <laughs> Way off topic. Way off topic. Um, so back to the, back to the drumming. So talk to me. So anybody that kind of is thinking about doing music professionally so some of the things I've written down are around networking so in every job I mean I I often quote my dad when I was in high school I remember him saying this is your network and I was like what the hell are you talking about dad this is my network these are people like they're (laughs) idiots we're out like you know going off and doing crazy things these people are not my network they are absolutely your network and these are the people the introduction so you talked about even music industry it's really important to keep that network going, to make sure you you know who you know that they know you. And I think that's important in every industry. Yeah. You talk you talked about knowing your limitations. So recognizing your strengths, playing to those strengths having that be how you show up not focusing on your weaknesses not always saying you know you talked about several people that you think are savants that are unbelievably amazing drummers and not once did you say you know it wasn't like oh they're so much better than me or i wish i were them or i'm never going to be them it's more that's them that's that what they can do this is me this is what i can do here are my strengths and i recognize that i'm malleable i can do different types of things i can play quietly i can play dynamically recognizing your strengths and actually playing to those yeah or park the ego that's another one that i think really comes out in this is you know you talked about the drummers that would show up and they overplayed because they are amazing drummers and they don't get rehired you know the people that maybe don't take the jobs because they think they're too good for them you know i would i would say people that are within professional environments working you know in in the city same thing park the ego try something new you're not too good for it. Just try it and learn a new skill from it, and then that goes on to learning something new, which you talked a lot about. And then also, I think there's something around um, just just that focus of you shifted your focus from the baseball into the drumming. You recognized it was your passion. You recognized your identity there. Your friendship group. It was something that pulled you to it, and and you instead of you also had a very supportive father i need to we definitely need to recognize that you didn't have somebody who was saying no you know this baseball thing this is what you need to be focusing on but allowed Mm -hmm. you to explore it and then once recognized you were serious about it supported you in that which is huge i don't want to i don't want to understate that Mm -hmm. but i love the fact that you recognize that passion that desire that identity and you moved towards that which was very different from from that identity that you had before then
1: yeah, I think I mean I think most of it probably really uh, had to do with uh you know my peer group, my friends. You know, as as we know when you're at that age your friends have so much influence. Um and it's not that anybody necessarily pushed me into it was just like oh man stop doing this baseball thing. I think it it just became too difficult to do both at the both. same time. Yeah. Just didn't have the t- the time. And I was really starting to get energized and and passionate about music and i still loved playing baseball and i love sports i mean to this day i love watching football american football and and baseball and and check the scores all the time but you know at a certain point i just uh gravitated more towards towards music and drumming and i think it was it was so tied into my my social network and on my peer groups and friends and that I think it just became very easy to to make that transition
0: Mm -hmm. I want to pick up on that word you used energy and I think that's really important for listeners to hear is where do you get your energy what do you get it from and sometimes you're in a job where the job specifications are a b c and you do z on the side That's your kind of side hustle or that you like to do off the side of your desk and actually A, B, and C giving no energy, but you do them on a daily basis. But what you love is that Z thing that you always gravitate towards. So I want to think about listener, where are you getting energy? What is it that brings you energy and how much time during the day are you spending on things that bring you energy and how much time are you spending on things that deplete you? And if that ratio is really off for you, I would argue if it's more than 50-50, definitely really examine what you're doing and think about what is it that brings you energy and how can you do more of that?
1: 100%. I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, depending, I, I can only speak for, you know, music, but um, I think in in my case, you know, I think you you have to be able to be in a position where you can... For sure, this is important when you're talking about having this balance. Um, I think a lot of it, you know, has to do with how much support you have, you know, whether it's emotionally, financially. I mean, let's be real, because yeah. this in this industry, especially, it's you know, one, you're freelance, two, you're you're doing something that's most people don't consider a real job anyway, and um, and it takes time. Like when I moved here, it took me like five, six years to really get established. You know, that's just how it is. Mm. You're more new. That's it takes a while to get your network going, and you need, you know, my my ex wife, for example, like in those first few years. I mean, she really helped me out a lot. You know, she said, "Listen, don't worry about." I mean, not that the rent was crazy expensive, but still, she said, "You need to get settled here. Like, I don't want you to worry about this for now." You mm. know, and that was and she really supported me a lot. And she, to this day, she really supports me, not financially, but if I have uh, a lot of, like with this theater show, it's full on, you know, it's like six, seven days a week sometimes. And she, she takes, she shoulders a lot of that load with with our daughter, you know, she'll take mm-hmm. her, and and you need that, you need that support, you know? And I think that's that's that goes a long way to having this balance, you know? Mm-hmm. And if you don't have that, whether it's financial, emotional, that's where you start to see this imbalance, I think, and and make, and it makes it much more difficult to try to find that energy that you need to to really put into something that you're passionate about. And um, yeah, I mean, I, of course, the first step is recognizing that, you know, and saying, okay, if I if I'm really not in a job that I really like or that I'm super passionate about to have the the courage to to make that change is it's hard, especially as you get older and you have other responsibilities, a mortgage, a kid, two kids, whatever it is, it becomes increasingly difficult to, to make those changes, even if you know that it's something that deep down would make you happier. Mm. And making that step is, taking that step, that leap of faith is really hard. I mean, I was terrified when I moved here, to be honest, from New York. I would wake up every morning, look at the ceiling and think for the first six months, like, what have I done?
0: Yeah, yeah, (laughs) absolutely.
1: I'm sure it's scary for you too, moving to the UK. Yeah. Even if it's the same language, whatever, it's still, you're completely out of your comfort zone. And Mm -hmm. sometimes more more than ever, I think, especially after COVID and everything, I think people or more willing to, or less willing, sorry, to, to make compromises, you know, I think mm. that's, that's why you saw so many companies like Walmart offering to pay people's college education, because they couldn't find people to go work there. Yeah. They were offering like a much, much higher uh, salaries. And I think that that was true with a lot of companies where people would just thought, you know what, actually, I'm not happy doing this. I don't want to do this anymore. You know, yeah, and it took a huge pandemic like that for for a lot of people to just sort of wake up and say, man, I don't want to spend the rest of my life in in a job that or in a situation that just doesn't make me happy. And to a certain extent, I mean, I I feel like I had to do that as well and and prioritize certain things and not just take not just take gigs or take jobs because I don't know when the next one's coming because I'm a freelancer. Mm set make, make prioritize certain things and say you know what this isn't making me happy and it's not worth the few hundred euros maybe i'm gonna earn and to be okay with that you know that's the scary thing it's like turning things down because you know in the end you're turning down
0: income money
1: <laughs> money <laughs> but that's yeah there has to be something more than just the money you know there's I mean for me there's there's always like I I have a it's not a list but there's like three or four things I try to, try to try to look for if I'm conflicted about taking a job you know it's like okay is the money good is the music good are the or are the musicians good you know mm. and and ideally you want it to have at least like two out of the three
0: mm. <laughs> yeah and yeah. then
1: it's it easier, you know, but I think yeah. that's, always, I think it's always good to, 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 you know, to, to maybe have two or three things that criteria that you look for, mm-hmm. whatever the job is, you know, if it's not feeling that, that maybe it's, maybe, you know, deep down that long term, it's just not going to be good for you you want to do
0: it. Yeah. And it's that, that's right. Is the work good? So is the money good? Is the work good? Are the people I'm going to be working with good? I mean, you can you can translate that into anything and, and make yeah. your own list. And what are your non-negotiables? That's what we always talk about when I'm coaching people that are thinking about moving into a new role. What are your non-negotiables? What are the things you have to have? So, you know, I, I have to have X amount of money. I have to have the amount, you know, X amount of days in the office or out of the office or whatever it is and find those non-negotiables. And just going back to your your point as well around um, the the work and, and taking the work and, and deciding what you want to do, own it. You know, that this is part of what being an adult is, is actually stop being like driftwood. was the way I described it to one of the people I coached, you know, don't be driftwood going wherever the wind or the water takes you actually instead, where do you want to go? Be a boat get a rudder, get your ship going and move the direction you want to go. And there's so many opportunities within organizations to do things that you do enjoy, that do bring you energy. You can actually shift what you're doing internally. You don't have to necessarily leave. So while it is, you know, it's it's brave to throw on the parachute and jump out of the plane, you know, also, is there another alternative? Can you find something else to do within the organization and then jump when you're ready, but hone your skills while you're there. Talk about being a mosquito suck the blood out of the organization and get everything you can out of them you know there's lots that you can do there so to use was, use what you've got
1: yeah i think just people you know we're creatures of habit a lot of times you know and we we tend to do what's what's comfortable and what's easy yeah. a lot of a lot of the time you know because you are it's it's like the devil you know is better than the devil you don't know kind of thing you know mm-hmm. and um so i think that in some aspects it's, it's, it's fine, but in other aspects, I think it, it can really cause a lot of internal turmoil, <laughs> which, within, oh, within nice. you know, because you're just like, you know, deep down, this isn't what you should be doing, or you should be getting more out of whatever job you're in. And people just think like, you know, whether it comes from fear of being fired or fear of rocking the boat, so to speak, it's people tend to, and, and, I'm guilty of, of, of doing that too sometimes, you know, Mm -hmm. and you have to, you have to be, it's that having enough confidence in yourself to know that, you know what, even if, if I don't, if this doesn't work out, something else will come, you know, Mm -hmm. one door will close, but another one will open. And that's, that's a hard thing, even for me as well to recognize and be okay with and say, okay, maybe this is going to be, maybe this is going to completely like blow up in my face but it'll be okay, you know, mm. Something else will come, and it's depending if you're freelance or or you're not. But it's still, I think the problem is or the issue comes up no matter what line of work you're in. You
0: know.
1: That totally fear. agree. I that fear,
0: it. that underlying fear, and the devil, you know, exactly as you say, is you know what to expect where you are, even if and whether you, yeah, even if it isn't what you want, you know what it is, and it's so comfortable, even because because you know. And then, you know, something happens and you have an idea, but then you have to jump, you know, and, and you talked about the trapeze artist and playing the drum for it. But that's one of the things we talk about is a trapeze artist has to let go. If they don't, they just swing back and forth all the time. And there's, there's the the beauty is in the letting go. And so it's about when is the right time? When does that work for you? Are you ready? You know, what's your safety net? All those things, those are all things that we talk about in coaching, but I think, absolutely brilliant I have to ask you our two questions before we let you go so uh the first one is what have you discovered about yourself along the way so the the name of the podcast is the undiscovered you you've been on a massive journey what have you discovered about yourself along the way
1: I mean I think one big thing is that um you know if this if this were easy everybody would would do it you know Mm and i think that everybody would love to play on stage and get on stage and have uh, people you know giving you positive feedback and everything but the reality is much different you know the the time that you're on stage is is basically that's the time that's fun when you're playing but everything else around it i don't want to say it's a drag but it that's where the the work is you know mm-hmm. and i would say what i what i discovered about myself is that I'm a lot more motivated and driven than than I thought I was, you know, in the past or growing up. I always felt like I just sort of coasted through life and just sort of did the bare minimum. But having done this now for the better part of 20 years, I guess, yeah. <laughs> I I mean, we're that I, old. yeah exactly I realized actually that I do have that I really do have this passion for it and Mm -hmm. that I really do have this pride for it because it's it's very difficult business and it's a very difficult career choice to want to be a musician or an artist or, or any or a freelancer whatever any of those things you know it's very challenging it comes with a lot of challenges it comes with a lot of disappointment comes with a lot of rejection comes with a lot of you know blow to your ego blow to your self-confidence and it's like i think that's what i learned about myself is so wow it's it's okay i'm strong enough to like take it you know even though i'm not saying i'm the most confident person i have my insecurities like anybody else but the fact that i'm still doing it year in and year out and i still enjoy it and i even with all the all the baggage that comes along with it and all the drama sometimes and the frustration, it's a good thing, you know, and I I picked the right thing for me. I picked the mm-hmm. right career path for me.
0: That's so. why you're a dream catcher. See, you went after the dream.
1: <laughs> I'm trying my best. Yeah.
0: Uh, um, and our final question that we ask all of our guests is what's the best piece of advice you've ever received?
1: I mean the best piece of advice is from my dad, really. You know that said you know don't follow the money follow what you're passionate about or what what's going to make you happy you know he he's he got his bachelor's master's and phd in, in political science you know he went on to teach for a few years hated it you know so he already invested how many years just in in education went back school got another master's in public health and then went on to work for for the state department for usaid for 25 years and he loved it Mm -hmm. you know so i think he was really instrumental in in also in me pursuing music because for him it was it was clear that you know he already had a trajectory he already had a career path like laid out in front of him and he just he knew that it wasn't something he was passionate about or that would really in the end make him happy so he didn't want that for for me either and he thought okay it's it's not what i would have chosen to go into music i mean my mom's a photographer so you know there was some artistic influence in in the in the family but but that's what he said you know he said really like the most important thing is just follow something that that you can envision yourself doing in 15 20 years and still be happy doing it you know that, mm. that'll, that'll bring joy to your life basically mm. so I think that was the best yeah that was really the best advice and at the time I'm like what is this guy talking
0: about now? I know right how how, <laughs> how amazing are our parents when we become parents <laughs> but I see it too with
1: my with my with my daughter you know I, I'll I'll give her some sound advice and she just like rolls her eyes at me and I'm like yeah. you know This is good stuff that I'm, you know.
0: Exactly. Park this because you're going to come back in 30 years and be like, that was really profound. Exactly. Well, hopefully. But,
1: (laughs) you know, we expect the cookie, but we're probably just going to get some crumbs, really.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No cookies. There'll be no cookies. Uh, Well, Chris, listen, I I actually have really enjoyed this conversation. I think there's so much here for our listeners. And, you know, it really transcends. Um, I think all industries it's not just about music but there's so much depth here and well done for following this especially after moving to Berlin and having to start again and yeah. it's just you know building up that as you say the network's so important and you had none when you arrived there so it's it's everything. incredible
1: yeah yeah it's yeah everything. Well,
0: we, where can we find your work by the way? So if we come to the variety show, obviously in Berlin, uh, we can hear you play in the next few weeks. Uh, Do you have a website? Do you have, um, how can we find you?
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm uh, Instagram like everybody else. I'm not, I'm not super amazing about posting uh, tons of uh, content, but when I do post it, I feel like it's something worth posting. So um, yeah, just Chris Drums. That's my handle. And uh, that's probably the
0: easiest. And far <laughs> far has two R's in it. Chris Far cool. drums. Yes, yeah. excellent. Yeah. Uh, Chris, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for yeah, coming on lovely the show. to catch
1: up with you after all these years.
0: I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Join us next time when I speak to our next dream catcher, Lucinda Crichton, a former Irish Member of Parliament. She was the TD for the constituency of Dublin Bay South. She went on to found Vulcan Consulting, where she's now the CEO. If you're looking for an executive coach, why not get in touch? You can check out my website, kljconsulting.co.uk, or email me on the undiscovered you podcast at gmail.com. If you're enjoying the podcast and would like to support me in putting out more content, why not buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee forward slash undiscovered you? Don't forget to follow, subscribe, like, and comment below. And I hope that you're one step closer to discovering the undiscovered you.